Hey everybody, Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors, and I'm here to tell you about a wonderful company, Saddies, custom ammunition and gun works. Aaron Satterfield and his family have been turning out some awesome game loads lately. Uh, I've been using the Saddies Fatties uh, turkey loads, and I gotta tell you, they stop a bird dead. Chris uh, used a 20 gauge this year, I used the 12, Josh used a 20, and uh, my son actually killed one with a 410 this year with uh, one of the Saddies loads, and my god, do they put the birds down like crazy. Aaron Satterfield and his family have a wide-ranging array of ammunition, custom game loads, predator loads, turkey loads, the Saddies Fatty, and also they do gun work. Please get a hold of them with any questions that you have in terms of your custom ammunition needs. Go to saddiesllc.com. That's S-A-T-T-I-E-S-L-L-C.com and tell them that Rick from Fueled by the Outdoors sent you. Buck down, baby. Oh my gosh, that was freaking awesome. This is my first public land buck. This is my second set of the season. I can't even. Oh my gosh, I just heard him fall. I just heard him fall. Uh. I just shot my Kentucky buck. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Chris Leppard, and tonight, Got my buddies Jeff Dennis and Aaron Satterfield here with me on the podcast to talk a little bit about some rifle building. How's it going, guys? Hey, what's going good, on? Good, good. So, I am not a super knowledgeable gun guy. Aaron, obviously, is a gunsmith. Uh, if you didn't know, he is the owner of Sadie's Gunworks and Ammo. And then Jeff is... I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Jeff's a YouTube video watcher. Uh, professional, semi-professionally. Um, but no, Jeff's Jeff's gotten into the Western hunting a little bit and into the rifle thing. And um, What all of you hunted? Just the pronghorn? Uh, with a rifle, yeah, just antelope. Okay. Um, we went out in 2020 for elk with bows, but... That's right. We didn't, didn't get anything, so... Okay. And then, Aaron, tell us a little bit about your experience with rifles uh, out west and here. What all have you hunted and taken? Uh, we've been, me and a couple of my good friends that I've grown up with uh, back in West Virginia, we've been going out west for 23 years. Uh, Jeez. This is 23 years. This year is. Uh, we've been going out for mule deer, pronghorn, elk. Uh, we've, we've killed all three. Uh, so yeah, we've, we've gone round and round rifle wise. All, all of our hunts have been with rifle. Okay. So So, you've not done any archery? No, we've never, never been out. But the funny thing about it is, is every elk that we have taken has been within 150 yards or closer. Wow. So. so you're in like muzzle loader range. Yeah. Jeezel. Yep. Okay. How many bulls have you taken? Uh four. How many mule deer? Uh I don't know. A lot. Yeah. Quite a few. And then obviously white tails 
probably too many to count with yeah. being in West Virginia. Yep. Yep. So yeah, we we usually tried between me and my brothers, uh, and my dad. Uh, we would all at least try to get two to three deer a piece. Okay. A year. All right. You know, I mean, we we filled the freezers, so okay. that's what that's what we lived off of. All right. And then you've killed pronghorn as well. I have not personally killed a pronghorn. Okay. Uh, the the two times that we have gone out, yeah, the two times that we have gone out for pronghorn, I did not apply with the group, so I did not get drawn. Oh. Yeah. And then the Just one time for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I mule deer hunted. Oh, okay. While we were out, yeah, we got double drawn. And then the other time. Then the other time that we got double drawn was the year that we moved out to Oklahoma and I had to eat my tags. I remember you telling me about that. So oh. that, that was the year they, they drew in a in a trophy region. So oh. so all all three of the guys tagged out first day on on that. Man, were they now are they into the trophy thing or were they just trying to get like okay pronghorn or Couple of them, two of them were, two okay. of them were the other, the other guy. If yeah, whatever was there was dead. Yeah, so. with pronghorn for me anyway, I'm there for an experience. It's fun. You get to look over a bunch of animals. Now that we're getting into this though, and I like how when I went on my one pronghorn hunt, I had a seven millimeter, uh, seven rem mag, yep. and very limited practice. I don't know that I put 15 rounds through the rifle. Um, so now, and and it's not even mine. It's my uncle's. And uh, they were loads from you. Because when we went and I used the box ammo, it was shit. So we went and used your loads. I think you, um, you, you nearly cut the trigger in half as far as the poundage goes. Um... And it was it was breaking a lot cleaner, um, and I ended up killing a pronghorn. But I just didn't, you know, I didn't have the confidence, and I had never been, I'd never done that. And that, that that's a that's an older gun too. I'm it not, is an older gun. That was, that was an old gun. All wood, you know. There's nothing no, fancy. Nothing fancy about it. Not a not a good scope on it by any means. Um, but there again, it's one my uncle had. You shot that at what three hundred and twenty-five yards or something? Three twenty-five. Yeah, that's not a that's not a easy shot. Yeah, off the off the freaking knee while sitting down, um, after a pretty pretty good hike. I you know the gentleman that got us to draw those tags that we all know painted a certain picture that we were going to be hunting from the truck. So we went and spent all this money and had this idea in our head that this was going to be something that was like, oh, well, we're just going to shop for the right pronghorn. We get out there, there's, you know, we got drawn for a completely different unit. It was our third choice, not our first. And it was mountainous. It was not flat or rolling. We climbed a freaking mountain. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sucking wind after crawling through the sage to try to get as close as I could because, hell, I think we started out just a little over 400 yards. I'm like, man, I've never even shot that far. So... What uh, what load did you have in there, Aaron? 
I had I'm trying to think. I have I had those set up. I think 160 grain acubons, mm. nozzle or acubons. Gotcha. Uh, over over some magnum power. Was that probably three thousand feet a second? Ram, yeah, ramshot magnum. They were they were pushing they were pushing close to three three grand. Yeah. Man. I mean that's you probably didn't have to did you aim up at all on that no. longhorn? Do you no. hold high or anything like that? You just had it down. I held that on. I think we sighted it in for three hundred. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you were a little high at a hundred. Yeah. Which we knew that yeah, you know, was yeah. like because I was going to have a hundred yard shot. So. I was basically hitting three o'clock of something the size of my fist at three hundred yards. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I figured I wouldn't have to aim, but I I actually shot and missed the first time. And I mean, you know, this isn't exactly a nice scope. I don't have a rest, and I'm just figurating all over the place. So I kind of had to kick it back to the archery mentality a little bit. I was like, you know what? Just trust the float and try to time it as best you can. Yeah. And do that shot broke and that animal wheeled 180 and took off like a bat out of hell and I watched all the blood come out. I still don't know how you can shoot something that small with a seven rem mag and it runs. And it still run. Oh, dude, the thing probably oh, went. Wow. I mean, it made it close to 200 yards. And <laughs> for those of you that have not seen a pronghorn up close, um, and when I... When I say up close, I mean like, you know, in your hands. Um, you can't you you can't appreciate how tiny they are until you see them, and they're basically, you know, mine was like the size of a yearling doe. You know, not a fawn, but not a, a mature doe. doe but like broad, ramp, ramp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not they're not big at all, and so I'm thinking, you know, I hit this thing in the toes, and it's gonna die shit that thing took off i was like oh my god and of course it runs on to freaking private land and i'm like what the hell do i do you know so well and it and it's neat too because i mean all all three of us we've been out west and you, you don't realize the magnitude mm -mm. of out west until no. you get out there no you know i mean you 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 look you look and you glass and you realize you're seeing shit over a mile away. Which, yeah. You know, and it's like, uh, that can't be that far in your range. And it's like, the biggest, I think that's the biggest thing that we always had an issue getting used to was, is what you thought was close was far, and what you thought was far was closer <laughs> than yeah. what you thought. It, it really screwed up with your distance. You know, it's like, oh my God, that's got to be a couple hundred yards and you range it, and it's like a hundred and something. I was like, wow, man. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like your depth perception gets all screwed right. up. Yeah. Well, when we, we saw the one that I shot last year in, in Wyoming, we were, I mean, you could, my rangefinder wouldn't even work as far as these things were. I think I've got a loophole, uh, the full draw three, I think it's got like a probably 13 or 1400 yard range. And it wouldn't even pick it up. It wouldn't even pick up where they were. So we ended Jeez. up. We made a stock on them, and you know, I shot, I shot a doe just because we were out there, and it was, you know, I wasn't going to come home without any meat, and I, I wasn't going to be super picky. I just, you know, we were able to get into range on this one, and I'm, I'm, I, I was able to set my pack up. I was, uh, and laying prone and super comfortable. You know, I wasn't moving at all. My buddy tells me from behind, he's like, 
450 yards. I'm like, 450 yards? Like, holy shit. I'm like, that's <laughs> way farther than I thought it was. I was like, that's, yeah, okay. Yeah. 400 plus yards in the field is a poke. Yeah. It's a freaking poke. I well, mean, so, like, I'll be honest, I wasn't super confident with the shot. I'm like, I, I've never shot an animal this far. Like, we shot at targets that far, but I hadn't shot that gun yeah. that far, you know. But we, like, I verified my 100 yard zero and then my 200 yard, you know, clicking my turret, you know, elevation turret up. And that was dead on at 200 yards. So I'm like, well, the elevation, my speed must be pretty damn close. And, you know, I had my phone out. I, I checked the app and it told me to, eight, you know, move eight MOA on my turret. So I moved it to eight and I held it right on the front shoulder and it was kind of windy and it pushed it back a little bit, but my height was perfect and it just hit back in the guts a little bit. Yeah. And she like kind of, you know, just kind of bowed her back, didn't run, didn't do anything, just kind of stood there and I was able to put another round in the chamber and I held just in front of her brisket. And it put it right through that front shoulder and just wow. dropped her right there. Nice. You can tell you hit her back there? Well, just from her body language, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. my buddy my buddy had shot one two days earlier, and it did the exact same thing. Okay. And he did, it It hit back in the guts on his first shot, too, and it did the exact same thing that that antelope yeah. did. So I remember talking with you about how you really wanted to pack something out. We had that conversation. Uh, yeah. Let's hear about that. Well, I was regretting it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's real. Well, so it's, that's real shit. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. It yeah. was all. It was mostly my fault because. So when we got up, yeah, you pulled the trigger. Well, no. <laughs> no, when we were in, so we went out there in October. Our tags were good for October. I want to say like. Were you second 15th? season? You were second season. I don't know. October fifteenth. That's just when this unit was open. Yeah. It was like October 15th for like a week or two. That's your second yeah. season, I'm pretty sure. So it was, I mean, when we were sleeping at night, it was in the 30s. Yeah. Like it was cold. It's cold. And then it was in the 60s or 70s during the day. Well, the first morning we went out, actually the first two mornings we went out, my feet froze. Like my feet get cold. Wow. We're deer hunting. Even like, when you're hiking? Well, we didn't hike that much. We would hike out maybe like three quarters of a mile out onto this ridge. Stopping glass. And then we were just sitting there glass in this okay. huge basin the whole time with all these little finger ridges that came down. So we were okay. able to see for a mile probably, even even farther probably. God, you would hate going with me. And me and Matt just walked. <clears throat> We'd be like, oh, there's one. <laughs> well, so we, oh, we, sat, we sat there and my feet would just freeze. So I'm like, you know, screw this. So the next morning, my buddy had brought an extra pair of boots that had like 400 grams of thinsulate. But they were a little too big for me, and they weren't, oh. weren't my boots. Okay, well, and I had also brought you know a couple of jackets, and I had a thermos full of coffee. Like I had a lot of weight, and then we decided to make a stock on these antelope. So by the time we killed them, I was in boots that were too big. I was in, I had way too much clothing already in my backpack because I had to oh. shed layers. You know, I, I killed it at like nine thirty in the morning. But as we're getting there, I'm shedding layers like yeah. in the middle of hiking to get to this antelope. Uh, so by the time I kill it, I put, you know, 40 pounds or 30 pounds of meat or whatever in the back. Then I got my nine and a half pound rifle on the back. And then all the clothes and thermostat. Like I dumped my coffee out. I dumped all my water out. Like I was just trying to. 
We How far two, were you? We had, as the crow flies, it was 2.3 miles from where we were to the truck. But it was up and down, all these little finger ridges that we were yeah. looking over. Like and going, rolling stuff. Yeah. yeah. So That was, stuff can cut you down because you don't think about it because you're not, oh, I'm, I'm not climbing up a mountain. Yeah. Let's just truck it. But when you do it six or seven times in oh, between yeah. there, it's like, yeah. yeah so, it, you know, it was all good once we got back. I told my buddy, he, like, kept trying to ask me questions, like, as we're going. And I'm like, dude, shut up. I don't mean to be an <laughs> asshole, but just I'm going to be a prick this whole time. Like, let's just get back to the truck. Like, And you were done after that, too, right? Yeah, he, he was already, tagged he out. He already killed his. You burnt your tag, and you don't have, like, dough tags to fill. Well, nope, that was it. Anything like that. Okay. So we... Got it all cleaned up, put it in the coolers, and we headed home at noon on Monday. Season opened on Saturday. Okay. So noon Monday, we were on on the road home. So, dude, when I went out, and and we were in one of the shittier units, um, me and two other guys tagged out opening day, and then I think Matt got Matt could have killed the doe that was with my buck, but he didn't want to, and then I want to say. I can't remember if it was the next day or the day after. We had like multiple opportunities and one of them was just, it was freaking grueling. We, there was this tiny strip of public close to the highway and um, we had just drove down the road and saw like five or six pronghorn or like two bucks in the herd, the group, whatever, headed towards that piece of public and they cover ground quick as hell. So we whip it around, go to go there, and we see some trucks parked there, and there's some people walking off the public to the trucks. And I'm like, hey, Matt, it's going to sound weird, but listen, don't act like we see anything. Don't act like there's something coming. Talk to the people. Take your time. We're going to slip over to that ditch, and when we get to that ditch, we're going to run like a bat out of fucking hell. And, and he's like, all right. So we made small talk with him, all that. And then, you know, we kind of walked, you know, at a crisp case, we'll call it. And then, dude, we got out of sight in that little, uh, like the little gully, coolie, and it was on. And and you both have been out there, so you know that it's basically like a bunch of loose, like, clay, slate, whatever. I don't know what the hell it is, but whatever it is, dude. Sucks to walk. Oh, my God, it blows. And so... Yeah. And it, it starts to get tighter and tighter, and we're moving, trying to beat these pronghorn. And, I mean, I'm doing calisthenics while walking fast, and it was crazy. And we get there, and I'm like, <gasps> just sucking wind. Like, I, I didn't sign up for this shit. Like, this is an elk. We're on an elk hunt right You're now. You're supposed to be hunting from the truck. <laughs> we're supposed to be truck hunting. I didn't train for shit. So, um, but we ended up, I mean, it was the worst luck of all time that the, the there was a big drainage that we couldn't see in front of us and all the pronghorn does coming right to us drop down into the drainage and then come up out of it and they're at 200 yards and we're laying prone with nothing in between us and then the bucks drop down in there and then wouldn't come out. I'm like, you assholes. And mm -hmm. at this point, you know, yeah. those are like 175. And then all of a sudden, they, they go back. We could see the, the top third of the heads with the horns, basically like ears and horns and like the top of the head of those things. And 
then they all went into the ravine and disappeared. And I was like, dude, I don't like it. We need to, you know, it was kind of like in the shape of a Y. We were on one side and they were on the other. And it got bigger as you went to the left. And all they had to do was slip down that and they could get away. So we start going through. And again, I'm doing calisthenics and we're trying to beat them. And all of a sudden, Matt's like, and I look up and... 25 yards there's pronghorn oh, and and so i just dropped my binos leaned against the side of the the coolie and put my hands over my ears and tried my best to hold my breath so i wouldn't make a bunch of noise because they're coming right at us and one of them got i don't know maybe seven or eight yards and he's he's using your seven millimeter STW. Like this thing's basically a twenty eight Zosler. Can it's a huge rifle and you had a seven STW. And it's like a nubbins buff too. So I'm like, God, let him shoot this thing so we can just go because we had deer tags in Nebraska. So I'm like trying to get this hunt done quick and go back and then maybe try to kill a mule deer or something. And I'm just, I'm sitting there like, I'm about to watch, for any of you that have watched a an animal get shot, you can always see impact before you hear the shot when it's that close. And I'm just waiting for this deer, this thing's chest to cave in, and it never does. And then it looks up at us, and I like, I can see like the iris in its eyes, it's so close. And then it spits at us, their little stupid noise they make that pisses you off. <laughs> And then they all run out, you know, they're at 250 yards or whatever. And Matt makes this weird move. I don't know how he knew where to go, but he finds those bucks that were not with this group of pronghorn. And um, I'll never forget, he he kind of gave me a little shit about being so worried about practicing. And he gave me like the Plaxico, like practice what you're talking about. You worry about it too much. Well, he, he got out there and... He was figurating so bad because we're out of breath. He's got no rest. And I want to say they were like 100, 150 yards, but he's freehanding and he's exhausted and he's zoomed in like he was when he was at 200 yards. And so he's at like 20x or something, <laughs> whatever your yeah. rifle would go to. Yeah. So like they would be there, then they weren't. They would be there, then they weren't. And then all of a sudden they weren't there anymore. And he had to take some running shots, and he damn near pulled it off, and they were nice. But um, it kind of sucked because he ended up eating that tag, and we did the special draw. So it was like a 600 so You paid extra for it. It was like a 640 something dollar tag. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, um, that's, that's like what we talked about earlier with having too much magnification. Yep. Which, oh, yeah. should, which should take us into... Our conversation yeah. tonight. You know, you should come on the podcast more. You really, <laughs> you really rein me in. Well, Rick's going to get all jealous. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're, we're talking about this Western hunting. And uh, I was invited on a hunt this year in uh, a state in the South, we'll call it. Um, you can hunt velvet animals with a rifle. And I basically... I'm just tired of borrowing Aaron's shit all the time. I, I want to have my own stuff. Chris kills more deer with my guns than me. <laughs> I, I I hate hearing, oh, man, how do you like that rifle? You're the first person to kill a deer with that. <laughs> now, in all honesty, I like I want to have my own stuff. You know, we got our own trailer this year, which is like, you know, dreamy as hell when you have to borrow everybody's shit. So 
Um, I just want my own rifle that I can take and, and practice with whenever I want and, uh, you know, not really have to borrow anything and just something where I can really learn it and know it. And, uh, you know, Jeff and Aaron and I and some other guys have had multiple discussions and, you know, one, you know, starting at the beginning, what rifles do you want? I'm like, well, it'd be cool to have one for like your, you know, coyotes and deer and pronghorn that's smaller and shoots a little flatter and faster. Um, but you also kind of need something with a little more ass to it if you want to hunt, you know, elk, moose, you know, bear, whatever. Deer. Yeah, yeah, mule deer. I mean, a mule deer is a big ass animal. People don't realize. So I thought, well, why not instead of buying two rifles, <clears throat> why don't I just have one so I can shoot one rifle the most? If I ever get into like coyotes, maybe I get a 22-250, but um, I, I don't see myself really caring about coyotes that much anyway. I could be sleeping and then go scout the next day or hang out with my wife. So um, I'll go every once in a while. So uh, I figure we'll do the buy once, cry once method. Um, we're really not going to look to have a budget rifle. Uh, we won't really talk about price because um, I feel like you know, that that's not really that important. If you have questions about it, we're more than happy to help you out or whatever. But um, I'll just say that we're going to build a nice rifle that can kill anything basically in the yeah. world that I'll ever want to hunt. And I'll never have to buy a rifle again. And I'll probably be able to shoot it out to as far as I could ever want to shoot an animal. And it'll, it'll be something that I'll keep and then hand down to my... Yeah. my son and and so on so we're gonna we're gonna you know put away some money over the next few months and and spend and uh, buy something with quality so to get into this you know Jeff if you want to kind of take us through some of the different setups we're looking at why we're looking at what we're looking at and just kind of go from there well we've we've kind of landed on uh, cartridge wise I think we're gonna go with the seven seven millimeter PRC. Yep, is what we've kind of decided on. It's a you know the the factory uh, ammo that's coming out from Hornady is really good ammo. It's shooting a long high BC bullet, 175 grain or 180 grain in their match bullets. Now hold on, what's a high BC bullet? Ballistic so, coefficient. Yeah, and ballistic. Explain ballistic coefficient. S Aaron. What, <laughs> what what that is, your ballistic coefficient is is essentially the drag or how efficient it is in the air. So whenever you get into longer, more sleek aerodynamic bullets, they have a higher ballistic coefficient. So okay. they have less drag right. in, in the air. So um, they're less susceptible to wind drift. Uh, they shoot a little flatter because the Air isn't dragging isn't them down. Yeah, it's isn't slowing them down okay. as, as much. So, and to tie into Jeff, the the PRC rounds, um, you know, they have become very well known. You know, I mean, we we have the what we have this what the six five PRC, uh, what this three, like, there's a three hundred PRC three hundred PRC, which is a beast. It is a beast of a gun. Uh, and then you have the 7 PRC. Now, is the 7 millimeter PRC 
bigger than the 300? No. No. No, no it's, it's not bigger than the 300, uh, but, you know, your 7 millimeter is a 284, uh, 284 caliber okay. bullet. 300's a 308. Oh, okay. Is a 308. Yep. So that, that 300 PRC pushes their, was their 100 and, or their um, oh. precision hunter ammo is... A 212 grain ammo. Bullet. Or a 212 grain bullet at 3,000 feet a second. Jeez. It's, so it's, it's, a, it's a cannon. Yeah. It's so, a, it's wow. It's a ballistic missile is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, it really is. You know, and it, it's a great round. Um, but, you know, that 7 PRC is kind of like the... You have the 6.5 PRC, which is basically a 6.5 Creedmoor, but it adds about 200 feet a second on top of the 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah. Okay. I see. They consider it the big brother to the 6.5 Creedmoor. Okay. Yeah. And then the 7 PRC is kind of just in the middle of those two. Okay. So yeah. um, <clears throat> so we landed on the 7 PRC. I mean, there's been people killing stuff with a 7 Rem mag, you know, for, for yeah, it, since it came out in the 60s. You know, yes, exactly. Uh, the, the 7, you know, the 7 Rem mag and, uh, you know, because I, I shot the 7 mag for for years yeah you know so whenever you was going out west and you got your <clears throat> excuse me your uncle's gun you know that's why i said i said i have all the reloading data and stuff for it i have all the reloading material i had got tons of brass i mean you you name it I, I got everything to be able to reload uh you know my first two elk were killed with seven mag jeez you know and but the thing with the uh, what I like about the seven mag and, and you know and it's kind of funny how history is kind of making this full circle because the Winchester came out with the two sixty four one mag, uh, which the two sixty four that is the, a six five. Yeah. That's a six six point five. Okay. Uh, uh, Winchester came out with the two sixty four one mag in the Winchester Model seventy pre-64 model, uh, which is, you know, anybody who's a collector of guns and stuff, a Winchester pre-64, that's that's the collector's edition. Okay. Uh, that was considered at the time, and we're talking late 50s, uh, you know, I mean, late 50s, wow. early 60s, uh, that was considered the North American gun. It was considered the elite gun to take any and all North American game. Remington... So they decided to go the metric route, and they brought out the seven millimeter mag, this seven mm mag, that to compete with the Winchester two sixty four. Oh, that's cool. So that was their comparison. Well, the, they they brought it out at the same time they dropped the model seven hundred. Uh, yep. And that's so like. Yep. Exactly. You, you had that brand new round. With the rifle that's chambered in it that all came out right at the same that time. That all came out, just yeah. Ironically, yeah. Yeah, so the 7 mag is deemed, you know, the death of the 264 Win mag in history. Oh, wow. It, it wiped out the 264 Win mag. And the cool thing about it is, because is, I have a I have a Winchester pre-64 264 Win mag. Really? Yeah, and I have a 7 yeah, mag. Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing, right? And the... the yeah, <laughs> the, the you know, but the cool thing about it is, is I can take my seven mag brass and reload for the two sixty four one mag because it's based off the same casing. 
Okay. The only thing that I have to do is is full length size it and and so choke it down. Yeah, neck it down to the two sixty four. Hmm. That's pretty cool. So basically, so that seven PRC, it the advantage to that over the seven rem mag is you can shoot heavier bullets because if you if you want to make a two eighty four caliber bullet heavier, the only way you can do that is to make it longer. Just get longer. Yeah. Because you can obviously make it wider. Right. So it has to be longer. And a lot of the 7 Rem Mag rifles, like I have that Bergara right there in that case, has got a one and nine and a half inch twist to the barrel. So for every nine and a half inches of barrel, you have one twist one in the rotation. Rifle. Okay. Well, the 7 PRC is designed with a one and eight twist. So it's one in every eight inches, there's a twist. So it's a lot faster a lot more stable it'll it'll spin that bullet faster to stabilize it at longer distances okay yeah so that's why that's why it's it's a basically a modern seven rim mag is what the seven prc is okay no no shoots it a little bit a little bit faster not only that but from an accuracy standpoint the the prc rifles and stuff for people that don't know whenever you're setting head spacing on on a gun the seven rim mag you're you're dealing with a belted magnum cartridge so when you're setting head spacing in in the barrel define head spacing uh that you're 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 setting you're you're setting the uh you're setting the case and everything in into the chamber okay so you're you're boring out the depth of the chamber with a chamber okay. reamer. Uh, you're boring that out to fit the casing, and then you're, what your head spacing is is, your, is the the rim of the cartridge to the spacing of the face of your bolt. So when you close the bolt, when you that the the amount of space that you have inside the chamber, that's what you're setting. I actually brought one of each of these bullets, and I have them in my car. Yeah, I'm gonna go get them just so you can see. But the but what it what it is is the with the not to get off on a tangent, but with the belted magnum, so you know, like your two sixty four win mag, seven mm mag, three hundred win mag, all of those those are belted magnum cartridges. So at the, at the base of the rim, you see a kind of like a a bump, you know, kind of like a rim around it. What that is is it's a thickened portion of your of your casing of your brass for the magnum charge. Okay. It, it's to help support it because it's a it's a magnum pressure. You're you're doing you're yeah you're dealing with over sixty thousand psi uh, in some of those belted magnum cartridges. But the head spacing, the way that they designed the belted magnum cartridges, you set the head spacing off of that belt. So on more modern guns, on more modern calibers, your head spacing is set differently. You don't have a belt to set that off of. So you're basing things off of the shoulder. You're basing everything off of the spacing uh, you know, to the lands. So if you, re- if you really get into you know, like long-range precision shooting and stuff like that, you know, setting the head spacing to your gun and the the depth or how close the bullet seats to the lands, you'll you'll hear about people chasing the lands on head spacing and stuff. And what that means is is how close that bullet is actually to contacting the rifling before okay. 
before it, you know, upon ignition. So, so what are we looking at here? So this, that's the seven rem mag, and this is the seven PRC. So oh. this is that belt he's talking about. Okay. Where that sets the headspace. But you can see how much longer that bullet is, and it's not seated down inside the case okay. as far. Yep. So this bullet, this is a 162 grain, and that's 175. Yeah, and for, for you know, the people on the podcast, what Chris is looking at both the cartridges right now, and what it is, and what Jeff was showing is, is, you know, whenever you start getting up into heavier bullets with the 7 mag, we were talking about, you know, the only way that you can go with a heavier bullet is to make the bullet longer. The, ball, the bullets become longer. Your ballistic coefficient goes up. But what happens is, is in the seven mag, what do you, where does that bullet have to go? Because whenever you see the bullet, you're seating it to a, it's a COAL. You, you'll see it on, you know, in reloading, case overall length. Okay. So it has to be seated to a case overall length to be able to chamber. Okay. So what that is, is if you tried to, if you tried to extend that bullet out, you're, go, you're going to start coming in contact with the lands. Well, and your magazine. You're, 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 you're rifling. And yeah, and you might not be able to chamber it in your magazine. What? So, so you, you want to get it as close as you can yeah. to the lands? Pretty close. To to an extent, yeah. To an extent. There are there, uh, man, you, you got you got people that will bicker on both sides of that. So seating to the lands, seating off the lands, don't chase the lands. So is the PRC going to be closer to the lands? Not necessarily. The way that the head excuse me, the way that the head spacing is set on those, those are set based off of the shoulder. Okay. So where, where it, you know, so where it, this portion, this, that yeah, portion this, right there. This angled portion here. Exactly. That's all I had. Yep. So basically what the 7PRC gives you is, is more of like a match grade chamber and like you can, so like there's a lot of great seven millimeter bullets out there like your seven millimeter stw you've got the seven som which is a short action ultra mag one, one of my one of my go-to that i like i love the 280 ackley improved 280 ackley. That's, that's a 30 out six that's necked down to a 280 bullet but then it's blown out with a heavier taper you can almost achieve a seven mag velocities and energy Jeez. in a 30 out six case but see but see a lot of these a lot of these cartridges are all like custom you need a custom rifle you need custom ammo. Like, you can't just go buy this stuff off the shelf. Okay. So that's what's nice about the 7PRC, and when they came out with that, is you can literally go buy a rifle with 7PRC. You can buy ammo. At, I Every time I go to Bass Pro, they've got, you know, multiple boxes of that Hornady Precision Hunter, and you basically have, like, a match-grade chamber, match-grade ammo, yeah, match-grade gun right off the shelf. You don't need to go... You don't need to go to a custom, you know, gunsmith. You don't have to hand load your own ammo. Okay. So that's what that's the advantage I feel is yep. the seven PRC. Yep. Because that Vergara that I've got right there, that's going to be my mountain, you know, western hunting rifle also, and it's a seven rim mag now, but I've got a barrel on order, so it'll and it'll be a seven PRC here. Okay. In just a couple months whenever that comes in. Now, you probably don't have anything to reload yet for a 7 PRC. Yep. He already I'll, ordered the dies. I bought the dies. Oh, so you're good to go. Yep. <laughs> righty. Well, so, there you have there. So let's talk, let's talk rifles then. So what are you looking for in a rifle? 
uh, to to fit your needs well, as far as Western hunting goes? Like, what so, do you feel like you need? So for me, I, I mean, everything that everybody dreams of, right? You want to be able to shoot far out there. You want to have good glass where, you know, if you are, I don't feel like a lot of, a lot of what I've been in contact with so far has been how full sun, midday, you know, it's not last light kind of stuff. But I know that's coming with like mule deer and elk. Right. Because you're not hunting yeah, last light for antelope. Antelope are out all day. Yeah. For those of you that haven't hunted antelope, it's literally the easiest hunt you could go on. Because <laughs> it's a great way to get started. It is. Hunt. Yeah. It, because they don't bed down like elk and mule deer. They just. It, they're like a damn shark. They can't stop moving almost. Yeah. They do bed down, but normally you see them up. And you can see them from a long ways away, and they don't move at night, so they move all during the day. So, with my needs, uh, you know, I do want that quality glass that helps you in those last few minutes of light. Stuff like that. want to be able to shoot pretty, pretty damn far. Um, hearing you guys... Talk about being able to adjust a turret so you don't have a you know, a Christmas tree, basically. There's no need for any other reticle. You just dial it and go. You, you break a good shot. Um, the other thing that I think is pretty important um, is, is making it as light as possible because, and, and for those of you that haven't hunted out west yet, let me tell you, we all think we're tough until we find out and going out west you never think that walking is going to be that bad i'm here to tell you <laughs> when you go through sand and sage that grabs your pants and shoes and you go through all that shit when you're stepping over deadfall and walking on a mountainside covered in dead pine needles it sucks well, a lot of the time when you're out there too, you don't have your gun strapped to your pack. Right. You're yeah. you're hand carrying. Yeah. Or it's on your shoulder. It's on like, shoulder. Next time you go out for a ruck or something, you got a twenty pound pack on your back. Carry a ten pound dumbbell in your hand too. Yeah. And just like. Oh yeah. Go and that's a, a dumbbell. That's easy. Yeah. Go for yeah, a. Yeah. That's not yard. that's not the rifle getting in the way of the branches and <clears throat> and all that. So. Yeah. Um, I agree. Or walking around having it on your shoulder all day and you wake up the next day and can't figure out why the hell your shoulder's hurting so bad. Right. You know? And uh, so so I think, you know, going as light as possible. Again, you know, we're going we're gonna to spend the money and buy once, cry once. So um, pretty much every need that I guess you... you really, the other thing, I think, which, you know, we've landed on the PRC because it's a pretty, pretty hot round... Um, not a lot of bullet drop for a while. It's I think so. What well, that that high that high BC helps it retain energy downrange too. Okay. So yep. you're still going to be hitting with authority at you know six seven hundred yards. However, for it basically yep. that cartridge will be effective longer than you're probably willing to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean that's going to be. I mean, would you agree that that's a thousand yard gun or no? It could be, yes. Could, I mean, with the right, obviously, with yeah, the right yeah, person. Yeah, it, it, right would, it would carry enough lethal energy to kill yeah. at a thousand. Okay. Yep. So, so the, there's. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. The seven versus the six five, which is what you have that I used mm. in the South. Um, what's the difference there speed wise? 
Or can we pretty much kind of speed? Their speed, they're the same. Yeah. But oh. the, the but the six the PR the six five shoots a one forty three green. Yeah, bullet. and like the ones that I have are loaded up one hundred twenty seven. One hundred twenty seven. Okay, so you, yeah, you have yeah. a different one. So I mean, it it yeah, it's definitely a, a much bigger bullet. You know, a lot okay. heavier bullet. Yeah. Uh, what do we? What do you think we're looking to shoot in the seven PRC, grain wise? These are one seventy five. Those are oh. one seventy five. Yeah, factory kind of cool. The factory That's ones what are I was one. Guess. These are the Precision Hunter one seventy five. The ELDX bullet, and then they have a ELD match bullet that's a 180. Okay. But I mean, you can load them up with like 190 grain A tips. Like you can, you can get pretty. Yeah. What is it? The EOL is that a um is that a burger? Yeah, burger EOL. Yeah, they're, they're like 195. Like, now, can we do the the barns? Yeah. In oh, yeah. this, yeah, yeah. that's probably yeah. you seem to be fairly confident in the uh, barns. I'm I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan yeah. of horns. I'm I and not and not that against Hornady because I tell you what they're, you know their their factory ammo is probably some of the best ammunition in that they designed the PRC round. They're the oh, ones that they? came out, yeah. yeah. Oh, they're cool. the ones that came out with the PRC round. Right. Uh, I mean, so they're very. From what I've seen with the PRC rounds, one they're very accurate. And two, they're not very finicky. I have yet to hear anybody have a finicky gun accuracy-wise in the PRC round. Wow. But to answer your question, that's so if you were to go like with the factory Hornady uh, 6.5 PRC ammo, their Precision Hunter ammo is 143 grain ELDX, and mm -hmm. I think they're right around 2950 to 3000. Okay. And then this is a 175 grain bullet at 3,000. Yeah. So it's shooting a 30 grain more bullet at yeah, the same speed. Same speed. Yeah, it's good That's speed. ridiculous. It's more thump. So you, you have, and you're going to have higher retained energy downrange because you're shooting a heavier bullet or heavier projectile. It's going to buck the wind better. It's not going to be as susceptible to wind drift. And then by the time it hits, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a lot more authority than a lighter bullet. Okay. Just, I mean, it's the same as when you when you talk about arrows. You know, if you've got sure. a 500 grain arrow versus a 350 grain arrow, you know, at, at 60 yards, they're going to do a lot different damage. You know what I mean? Like, unless you talk to what's it, what's homeboy's name from Matthews, Joel Maxfield, Joel Maxfield. Oh, I don't know. You know, I, so I, I never listened to that one. You Are you serious? The knock-on podcast? Bro, you got to listen to that on yeah, your way home. So their, their contention is that you basically, I, I want to say that it would, like, to notice what a heavier arrow would do for you downrange would be so astronomically far that it would basically, you wouldn't be able to shoot that far. So hmm. That's what Dudley was saying. Um, I found that interesting because I remember having this conversation multiple times with people. Hmm. When I kind of went the heavier route, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I was heavy. I think I was like five thirty five, but for me that's heavy because I'm a twenty seven and a half inch draw. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I mean I think that's going to be a hell of a gun. Uh, I think we may have landed on Josh Fox's clone setup. Yeah, for the, the most part, yeah. What's it called? A, a Fierce? It's the Fierce Carbon Rogue. Yeah. Fierce Carbon Rogue. It yep. is a... It, that's, it's a six-pound gun. Okay. Like just bare gun. What is, what is your gun? 
heavy. Oh, is it? <laughs> I noticed that, it was heavy in the front. Well, that's why bit, that's why I'm replacing the, the barrel yeah. with that carbon with a carbon fiber barrel. Jesus. Because it'll drop like probably a pound or a pound and a half off of that. But that yeah. that whole setup right there. A carbon fiber barrel. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a steel barrel wrapped in carbon fiber. Yeah. So, so that's what a, mine's going to be. Yes. Yep. Jesus. So that <clears throat> that pencil thin barrel. Hoity toity over here, man. <laughs> it'll have like a really thin barrel inside the carbon fiber. So basically, what you get is the advantage of a thicker bull barrel without the weight. Ooh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. So yeah. that's that's the advantage to so, carbon yeah. fiber. And there's there's stiffer. It's rigid. Some people don't like, like them. Some people say they don't dissipate heat well and they don't last very long. But I mean, but proof, you know, proof carbon proof has been. Making carbon fiber for years. Forever. Yeah. And they've got military contracts, you know, so it's like, yeah. I, I don't. And not only I, that, I, I but I don't, I don't think it, you're going to shoot that gun yeah. so much to the exactly. point to where you're, yeah, you're going to melt a barrel. Right. You yeah. know, I mean. So, so I, I need down, more rounds. <laughs> so I wrote down a few different uh, options for the, for the rifle themselves. One is that fierce carbon road, it's a six pound gun. Uh, I think it's got a carbon fiber stock, carbon barrel, like, it'd be okay. really nice, really nice gun. Uh, I've got the Christensen Arms Ridgeline FFT. Okay. Which is roughly the same price. It's 5.3 pounds. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, so, so why, why the Fierce over the Christensen, or do you think? I'm not saying one or the other. I'm just giving. I'm. This is your decision. Okay, so I'm. I'm giving you options. Cause I know. Uh, I want to say that's what Jacob and Andrew shoot is the Christians charms. Yeah, could be. They're so that's good. something to think about. They're good guns. They're they're very good guns. Okay. I've heard some people complain about quality control issues with them. I've. I've that was a that, couple of years ago, so I don't know yeah. if it's the same situation. Any specific like. I, I don't know exactly okay. what they what their complaints were, but every it, it seems like every time you see somebody bring up Christensen on like some of these long range hunting forums or long range so, shooting forums, okay. it's like, oh f Christensen, you know I'd never buy one of them, blah blah blah. It's but you get that with yeah, every literally with everybody. everybody. Yeah. Um, so another one is the uh, the Savage One Ten Ultralight. Okay. So that's got. It's not gonna. I, I've I've shot. So my buddy, when we went okay and shot antelope or killed antelope, he um. That's what he had in six five PRC. Okay. And the stock is, it's not quite as nice as what the Christensen or the Fierce right. are gonna be, uh. But it's also a little bit cheaper than that. At six point two pounds. Can I go hold these somewhere? Uh, yeah. I think Bass Pro's got the the one ten ultra light. Um, and they probably have a Christensen. I don't know if they have the the FFT because that's like their super lightweight ones. Yeah. I don't know if they carry that one in stock, but I know they've got some one ten ultra lights in there because that's where he bought his. Okay, but dude, that that gun we went and shot it at the range at a hundred yards, and it I'm not I'm not joking. You shot two bullets through the same hole. Like wow. Well, I remember we did this with you actually. I think it was me, you, Matt, and Thomas, maybe. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. I you remember when that. we shot that 28 Nosler and like yeah. we had like three or four bullets clover leafing yeah. with another person. That was a Christian. I was going to say his was that's a Christian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So 28 Nosler, that's another good seven millimeter. 
but it's that's a bit that's one though i remember talking to him well the re- he said if he did it all over again he would go Maybe. with like a seven yeah which brings me to the prc basically yeah that's it's an upgrade yeah you're the 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 nozzler i think it was 20 bucks around the uh, i don't know or, no no expensive. i'm sorry no no it was a hundred dollars for, for twenty, yeah, yeah, for twenty-five, yeah, yeah. and they—they're very hot. They—they yeah. they run. I mean, they run them very hot. They're—they're they're known to be, and I'm not knocking. I mean, because they're freaking cannons. They're—they're they're yeah. lasers, but they're known to be barrel burners. Really? Know, yeah, your barrel life on those are very low compared to other rounds. Now, when but, you say I mean, that, that's not what I've heard is probably like nine hundred to a thousand rounds. Oh, well, that's my question. Are you going to shoot? Are you going to shoot a thousand rounds through a bolt action? <clears throat> so you know, and I, like, couldn't Yeah, I've I've heard a bunch of people say that about all, all the nozzlers for the most part because yeah. they're so overboard. They're, yeah, exactly. But it's like, are you yeah. even going to shoot enough to for and, that to be an issue? And the, the thing of it, and, and right, and I shouldn't say that. The thing of it is, you know, with calling it a barrel burner. If somebody is shooting that much, they're probably shooting competitively, long range anyways, and they know they're going to burn the barrel out anyways. So they know whenever they start seeing an accuracy issue or they start checking their spacing, you know, to the lands and the the overbore of it, and they start seeing that it starts to get extended, they're swapping the barrel out. They're 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 going to change the barrel out anyways. But I don't think twenty eight nozzlers a target no and around god no like it's it's a hunting round i mean exactly. you're not going to go out there and shoot you're not going to want to go and shoot 20 rounds no, through you're it not in this you know in a session because it's just going to beat your ass they uh, the recoil on those is just brutal it's way yeah. more than a seven like it's yeah you're shooting a the same grain bullet at you know 3200 feet a second or whatever but it's still it's like yeah. Is the recoil worth it? Right. Is what it comes down to. So I don't remember the recoil on that one being too bad. He might have had a nice break on yeah, it. The, yeah, there was a break yeah, on it. I think there was a pretty good break yeah. on it. Which I think so. All right. That kind of segues it. Well, I'll let you finish out. Well, yeah, I've got a couple, uh, just a couple more. So um, that ultralight you mentioned, how much does that weigh? 6.2. Okay. And the other one you said was 5.3? Five, 5.3 three? Five, three yeah. is the Christian. And then the Fierce is? 6. 6. Yes. So wow. so you also have to, to weigh, though, like, you know, a super light gun light. is going to recoil yeah. more than yep. a heavier gun. So, like, it's almost a balance. Like, do you want the light? And, and granted, when you're hunting, hopefully you're only going to take one shot anyway. Yeah. And you're not really probably going to notice the, no. the recoil no. anyway. But if you want to take it out to the range, like if we want to go out to, you know, Thunder Valley Precision and shoot a thousand yards and you want to put 40 rounds through it in a day, like, do you want to get yeah. heat to death to do that? Exactly. Or, you know, because that's what, to be honest, like, in all honesty, that's where m- majority of your shots are going to be are on range. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I mean, you're not going to you're not gonna notice the recoil out in the field for the most part. Nah. You yeah. Know? I, don't, I don't think I've ever noticed recoil on yeah I've, I've never shot an animal and been like damn i didn't like the recoil of my gun <laughs> and, I, and i'm sure you've shot the same but when i started turkey hunting was it with a new england three and a half inch 12 single gauge shot. single shot break action 
break action Detach with three and a half up. inch mag, and I think I put four or five shots through it steel, at the range, and I'm like, Good and, and that's as like a freaking 15, 16 year old kid that doesn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> now? <laughs> no thanks, man. Let me get that 410 here, you know? I think about those days. I'm like, man, where was that TSS? So yeah, the the you know, and the I I want to hit on the options, you know, the the gun options because they're they're all phenomenal. Yeah, they are. You you cannot pick wrong. Yeah, you you can't. <laughs> you it's honestly what what I'd like to see you be able to do is to be able to go somewhere or go to a couple places and handle each one of them. Yeah. And you're going to know. You're you're going to know. You're going to be like, ah, damn, this thing just feels like an extension of my arm. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, right now, I I feel like it's between the fierce and the Christians. Yeah. But I just, I do want to hold them. Well, so so for me, like I stock design is a big sure. is a big deal with me, like. Yep. Like you've got, uh, I think that Christensen just has like a standard like American style mm-hmm. stock where it kind of it, it's real low on the actual stock. Like so that this uh, regard that I've got here, I put that that stockies uh, carbon fiber stock on it. But so this this portion here, see how like high, how much higher this yes. is like it doesn't taper down like a normal yeah. okay right there's the christensen oh okay yeah, it's it's got that... a, it's it's got a straight comb design that's that's what it's called okay so like when you when you basically when you pull that gun up and put it to your cheek you're like yeah. you're a lot higher so that your eye is in yeah. line with the okay. with the stock and, and a lot and that's and that's why I was said a lot of, it depends upon what you like yeah, sure. I like I like that. You know, it, it reminds me of like an old Ruger stock. I agree. Ruger straight comb. It literally looks just like the Ruger. Yeah. You know, it, it's a straight comb. It doesn't have a cheek. It doesn't have the cheek piece and stuff. But I like it because, man, you, you pull up and it's, you know, my line of sight is, is right there. You know, now with the, the grip and stuff on that, a lot of that. Well, you can yeah, I like I, it's got got more of a vertical grip on it. Yeah. So like, if you've shot an AR, you know, you yes, know, the, yeah. the grip is vertical, they, and your trigger, you can get to the trigger a lot easier. Yes. Instead of like having to have your hand super like yeah, and they call forward. they they call that a bench grip, because you're not you're not gripping it like a regular. Yes. You're not awkward. Yeah. Your your thumb is right here. It's not it's not meant it's not meant to wrap. You know, I mean, yes, you you do have room to be able to put your put your thumb right there, but that's one of the reasons, you know. So you're not in, you're not putting torque. Yeah, you're not like sure. torquing your wrist yeah. super forward. You're, you're literally. I remember yeah. uh, Jacob Myers telling me that you were supposed to keep your thumb on the side like that. Yep. Um, and that's what I'm excited about too, is to really break down the mechanics, similar to when I was learning how to be pretty decent with a bow. Yep. Um, Diving into that and nerding out a little bit will be fun. And I've got, I mean, now it's not like, oh, I got to call Luke, who's four hours away. You guys, yeah. you know, you're an hour and a half here. The, the thing that I like about this whole thing is, is knowing that you're building a rifle. You're, you're building your, 
per se. Forever rifle? Yeah, you're building your forever <laughs> rifle. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, that's cool shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 one you know you're going to keep, you know you're going to kill with, you know you're going to keep in your family, you know you're yep. going to hand it down. Yeah, you know, that gun's never going to leave your family. Yep. That, yeah, that is why, I, I mean, I thought about handing it down to Cade, but I never thought about it on that big of a picture before that. It's kind of cool to think about. Yeah. Three generations, four generations down the line, that thing. And it's going to be a hell of a gun. As long as, long as nobody becomes a druggie or something. I get some real good <laughs> I was going to say something. Yeah, yeah, leave, leave it to me, right? They're going like, to they better get some good shit for that gun. I swear to God. I'll come back and haunt the shit out of me. Hey, everybody. Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors, and I'm here to tell you about a wonderful company, Saddies, Custom Ammunition and Gunworks. Aaron Satterfield and his family have been turning out some awesome game loads lately. Uh, I've been using the Saddies Fatties uh, turkey loads, and i got to tell you, they stop a bird dead. Chris uh, used a 20-gauge this year. I used a 12. Josh used a 20. And uh, my son actually killed one with a 410 this year with uh, one of the Saddies loads. And my God, do they put the birds down like crazy. Aaron Satterfield and his family have a wide-ranging array of ammunition, custom game loads, predator loads, turkey loads, the Saddies Fatty, and also they do gun work. Please get a hold of them with any questions that you have in terms of your custom ammunition needs. Go to saddiesllc.com. That's S-A-T-T-I-E-S-L-L-C.com and tell them that Rick from Fueled by the Outdoors sent you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, yeah, so then I, I did have the um, a couple more on here, the, the proof elevation. Yeah, proof research. Which proof research is the people that make the carbon fiber barrels for the military and stuff like that. They make their own rifles too. Now, those rifles are a pretty good jump in money over that, that fierce carbon rig. Oh, wow. Like What kind of weight are you talking and all that? But that and that one's it, even more. It's yeah. six and a half pounds. Yeah. So what's the, I mean, what are you getting I, for that? I'm not sure, the, to be honest with you. I don't know. Aaron? Definitely a bigger price tag. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I mean, just be honest with me. Is it like buying Nike, Adidas versus... Wally's. I, I mean, so there's the. Well, I don't know exactly what you're getting more. Do you got the there's ascension the for the high country? This is the elevation. The elevation. Okay. So there's the carbon road price, and there's the. Yeah. There's oh. The oh. So that's not okay. That's not that bad. Well, Alrighty. but it's but but what are you getting? One of yeah, it's, it's the question and a half the the cost. I, I, you, and that's the thing. I mean, I. There's got to be a point where it's like. Are you getting much so you, much more yeah. value for your money at this price range? Yeah. Which because, I don't think you are. No, and, and I don't either. Because I mean, if you, if you work uh, Jeff's Begara right there, have have you worked the bolt on that? Huh? It's butter. 
Really? Oh, it's yeah. and that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Take that scope cover off because it'll get in the way of that bolt. And that, you know, that's just, that was the ridge, the Bergara uh, B14 ridge. And it was 300. And oh. You got to pull it up a yeah, little higher. Good. It's a little higher. Look, look I mean, yeah, that's, there's nothing. And that was, you know, like 850. Yeah, and that's an $800 gun. Jeez. And you're, you're basically going to subtract, what, about a pound? From the when front end that of that barrel on it. Yeah. Wow. So that's going to, what is your gun weighing right now? Right Obviously. At ten, right at 10 pounds with the bipod and everything. Yeah. You got a bipod, which. That's but I also bought a suppressor that's going to go on that. So it'll probably add, it'll add that 12 ounces. Right Why the suppressor? Is that going to act like a break? It will. Yeah. It will. Yeah. Okay. It'll reduce recoil a little bit. Not as much as a break. A break definitely does more. Yeah. But I'll be able to shoot it without ear protection when yeah. I'm in the field. I won't have to, cause I when we when we took it for when I took that animal, <laughs> I put I put Dude. ear protection on. Oh, you didn't? I didn't shoot that gun. I didn't take that one. I had a Savage Axis two with a cheap Cabela scope on it. That oh I paid, wow! I paid five hundred dollars for the whole setup. Oh wow! And shot that antelope twice at four hundred fifty yards. That's so pretty slick. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like you can not spend a whole bunch of money or you yeah. can spend a bunch of well, money. I, I remember even talking to you about um like some of those guns, you know, we will mention the prices of these, like where you're paying, you know, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen grand. Oh that gun but, works. But that's yeah. where like yeah. they're built basically you tell them what you want and then they send you a gun ready to go. Yeah, right. Basically. Well that's that's kinda how this whole conversation started. I you know, I asked you how much you wanted to spend. And you're like, well, I really don't know. You know, I don't, I'm not sure. And I was like, okay, let me, let me rephrase that. I said, do you want to spend $2,000 or do you want to spend $15,000? And you're like, oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. No, I'd right. not like to buy a bass boat. <laughs> so then for... you, yeah. So then you gave me a price and that's where we, that's what we started working with. Okay. Uh, um, But then, so the Bergara, they, they just started coming out with, uh, some lighter weight options. They're um, they've got their B14 squared crest, mm -hmm. which it it's still a heavier gun. It's seven pounds. I think that one's just got a carbon fiber stock on it. Um, and then they've got the Wilderness Ridge that has a carbon barrel, but like the synthetic stock. Uh, so there's a couple different options there, and those are around like the seven pound range. Okay. Um, and yeah. then. I mean, there, there there's a lot of options. I I just went on to Hornady's website, and they literally have a list of gun makers that are producing the seven mm PRC. There's thir there's thirty one companies that are oh my that, god that are making guns for the seven seven nice. PRC. That's pretty awesome. So that thing, that it's, thing's exploding. It's, it's here to stay. Well, it's, they know. Yeah, yeah, they know. With, with how well the six five PRC did and the three hundred PRC, like it, it's only yeah. they're not. They know that the seven PRC is going to do just as yeah. it's freaking phenomenal, and, and it's really going to fit that middle bill real yeah. well, kind of like the four hundred might, maybe. Yeah, I think it will because so many people complain yeah. about the three fifty, even though. Yeah, I don't know what y'all are doing with a three fifty legend that, dude. I haven't shot a deer with it yet, but I dumped coyotes like I shot them with the seven millimeter red mag. I know they're smaller than a deer, but. 
I've shot coyotes with all kinds of stuff and watched them run. I watch them get shot with a two two three all the time, twenty two two fifty. Oh and they yeah, run oh. hell, a freaking three fifty, a freaking pistol cartridge. Yeah, dumped them. Yeah. So, um, which will kill. We will kill deer with that gun this year, but hoping we're able to get a hold of a four hundred uh, at some point soon. <clears throat> soon, what, very soon. Will it be? Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Yep. I've got. I've got. I've gotten quite a few messages about like I've been talking with people a little bit about it because they bring up you know yeah. versus you know four fifty three fifty and I'm like, well three hundred's looking or four hundred's looking pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of it's going to fit that middle bill. Um, so, with a muzzle break, I mean, what are we what are we looking at there? I know nothing about that, other than you know, is that something that's going to come with the gun? Do we need to buy that separate uh, custom make? What on we, some of them, like so, yeah. the Seekins, I'm pretty sure they're, they're not the Seekins. The Fierce has the muzzle brake on it, which is kind of like the directional style muzzle brake where it comes out the sides. Okay, you know. So is that something that where you can like get something a lot nicer that's worth that that's like custom made, or is a muzzle brake a muzzle brake? No, I mean there's uh, they they all serve the same purpose yeah. to reduce recoil. Uh, some of them reduce more than others. Some reduce yeah, more okay. than others. Uh, some kind of like what uh, Jeff was talking about, you know, compared to a radial brake that has holes all the way around it. If you're laying prone position and you shoot one that has holes on the bottom, it's going to blow dirt all over the place. Yeah. Ooh. You know, it's, that's a, ooh, it's you know, gemstone. You know that that's why a lot of them, whenever whenever they index the muzzle brakes on the on the end of the barrel. They have side and top ports. One to keep just from, how that one is. Yeah, to, yeah, to be able to keep you know muzzle rise, you know repull, but then also to keep it from blowing and hitting the ground and dirt blowing everywhere. So it, it blows out the side and out the top. So I think that Fierce has a side break on it, but I think the Christensen and the Bergara. I think they have those radio the, the radio, the radio brakes, brakes that all right. are all the way around. Well, um, if we go that route, yeah, and the, and those those well, can, can all be, those can all be changed at yeah, any yeah. time. They're they're threaded on there. I mean, it's now, nothing to take take them off and put another one on. How do you feel about your bipod? Would you change that? Would you upgrade it? Would you not do it and do yeah, something else like yeah. sticks or? Uh, uh, so when I, I took that one, that's just a cold, a cheap Caldwell. It's like yeah. a $45 yeah. bipod from Bass Pro. Um, I don't know how much it weighs. There's pro I'm sure there's lighter ones out there. But it's basically like a Harris bipod. So Harris bipods are very popular. Um, but it's basically just designed after that. There are lighter ones out there. If I If I go out or when I go out again, I don't know if I'll take one. I don't know if I'll really? have that. No, I don't. I'm, I'm not sure because I ended up shooting off my pack anyway. Yeah. So when I was crawling up the this, I'm <laughs> laughing because I remember having this conversation before. I know. Conversation. Well, the one you fun. wanted me to take was like a, the 16 inch ones or the 23, like the real long. If ones you went with a bipod, because of the sagebrush and all that. But there's stuff. a reason why I don't use a bipod. <laughs> well, so I, sticks. well, I had the my pack was laying flat on the ground, so like it would have been the same height if I was on the bipod or not. Yeah. 
you know. But the pack being more stable, obviously. Yeah, it just was yeah. easier. Like I took it off anyway, so I was just crawling. When I was crawling up, I would put my pack up with my right hand, my gun up with my left hand. Pack, you know, just and, and a, way up a lot ledge. of it. Uh, and <laughs> but being fucking with you about it, but a lot of it too. What what I found is is if you're hunting sagebrush. Yeah, that's twelve you're, inches you're tall. Not, anyway. You're not you're not putting on, yeah, you're not putting that down on anything. You know? I wouldn't have been able to use that or lay my pack down. Right, my pack would have had to sit on its ass, yeah. and I don't know if that would have been good enough. Like I had to really position myself well, and where I lucked out is that I was shooting. I was like just just barely at the just over the tip, the crest of a hill. Yeah shooting onto another hillside had that thing been in the same area as me you know like on the same hill or whatever i'd have been screwed like that's the only reason because the sagebrush where i was that shit was like two two and a half feet tall it was tall stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a bitch to walk through i i've had them i've had them for years and the reason why i like them stony point stony point uh shooting sticks they're the pretty much the diameter of an arrow okay uh you know they you know they collapse they collapse down they have the bungee cord you know through them so it's almost like you know like tent poles like tent poles yeah like tent poles have you seen the sling sticks mm-hmm. that fold up into the sling yep those looked interesting but they almost kind of the same concept but i like those because i carry them i don't have the weight on my gun yeah, I can I can carry them literally, you know, spread kind it out of, wherever you want. You put them in a V, and I'll, I'll pack them on the side of my pack. Okay, uh, right there. So then they're they're hooked into my pack. But right whenever right I need them, I grab them, and they just collapse down. Oh, that's I, nice. yeah. So I don't have to worry about putting anything. And if I can shoot off of my knees because I can shoot up to thirty six inches high, jeez, on them, or I can fan them. I can literally spread them all the way out enough to where I can shoot prone. I mean, 36 inches, that's huge standing. That's, yeah, I knew, I knew that. <laughs> awesome. Beer, beer break. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, with glass, yeah. I mean, what do you guys like? Because that's where I kind of... That's, 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 that's a whole other rabbit hole. Uh Jeff, you want to go first? Well, I mean, there, there's just so many, there's so many different ways you can go. So, like, what a lot of people like for for a hunting scope is a second focal plane scope. So basically, you have a reticle. If you zoom in, that reticle stays the exact same size. Okay. Nothing changes. You're not, not you know, it's just, and then you you're basically using your turret for all your your uh, elevation adjustments and and with the with that because we we, we were just most got into this, that rabbit yeah, hole yeah, yeah. with the second focal plane reason reason being is is if you have a if if you have a crosshair that has bullet drop compensation on it it has to be at max magnification for it to be accurate on a second focal plane if you have an adjustable turret you're doing the calculation, so you don't have to worry about it. Okay. So on a second focal plane, with that, it doesn't matter the magnification because you're dialing in your... That M- makes sense. You're dialing in your MOAs or, or which, mills or whatever. Which I think makes things a lot easier. It, I would agree with because that. Because yes. you're 
you know, you know what your what your zero is. And you can even if you've got a dope chart, which is like yeah, you figuring out what your drops are at all the distances. If you've got something and you know like say you're zero to two hundred yards and the, the deer's out there at 275 yards you can literally look at your chart and say oh it drops you know four inches from my zero that's a shitty rifle oh well whatever you know whatever <laughs> is it is this a 12 gauge <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is and then you could just hold a fuzz high if you wanted to yeah or you could dial it and hold yeah, that on you could right? you know, yeah, like click however many clicks you need to and the prc you just ain't dead on it so that problem. well that's what i like about the the uh, the loophole scopes is they give you one free CDS turret, which is their what do they call it like uh, click dial shoot or something or yeah something like something that. like that. So you, so explain that. So you you basically send them your bullet speed, uh, the elevation you plan to be shooting at roughly because that'll 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 change your drop chart. Well, what the hell are you supposed to do there? Because I mean, you're starting in Ohio and taking the damn thing to Wyoming. Well, right. So you know you're going to be doing most of your hunting and shooting at in Wyoming. Just say you could say like five thousand feet or six thousand feet. You know, like something pretty close to where you're going to be. Because if it's a small variation, it's not going to make that much of a difference. But like if you're going from like sea level, basically where we sea level to ten grand to ten thousand feet, yeah, it's going to make a difference. It's going to be a big difference. It's and you could always have you could always have different turrets too for your different elevation. Yeah, whatever. but that, and that's also that's also a reason why whenever a lot of people say whenever they travel, uh, listen that podcast that I sent to you guys mm-hmm. and stuff. They even talked about not being able to hold zero even just after putting their guns in a vehicle and a bounce they called it the bounce test yeah really? just laying it on the back seat and driving around and it didn't hold zero damn darn darn near almost all scopes did not hold zero. and i'm not talking like far far off but whenever you're talking about a long range and stuff and they were talking about right. you know just i mean a, a couple you know a couple moa off and stuff like that it moved though it, yeah it moved there's a difference, so yeah. I mean, it it was pretty pretty wild. That's that's why I always say you know after traveling, especially like a long drive going out west and stuff. Man, take go uh, go shoot go shoot. Assume, I mean, that's the double check. That's the zero. first thing. That's the first thing we did when we got there yeah. was as soon as we got into our unit, we we got onto public land and we just pulled find, find a rock and found a spot range and shoot it. I, I brought a uh, shoebox specifically for this. We put it out at 100 yards, put a rock inside of it, and there was like a, a little dot on it, and we just shot at that. Really? Yeah. That's uh, well, that makes me feel better. First I keep thing forgetting. It's kind of easy out there. Just pull over and, yeah. oh, hey, how far would you like to shoot yeah. a mile? Yeah, pick, so, pick a rock on the on, on the hillside. Yeah. Send it. So if you so a first or a second focal plane is basically the reticle doesn't get any bigger or smaller as you zoom in. Okay. So if you just have a straight duplex reticle, which is what's in that, which is just a straight up crosshair. There's no bullet drop comp, you know, bullet drop dots or anything like that. You don't have to worry about it. You basically just range it, move your turret to where you need to shoot, and shoot. You just okay. hold that on. So if you have a second focal or a first focal plane. Which is what was in your the six five PRC that you took to that southern state. the The reticle will get larger 
the more you zoom in. So like you crank that zoom and it'll it'll get larger so that all of your uh, dots oh, and okay. sub tensions and all that stuff are all accurate no matter what zoom range you're at. Yep. Okay. Which which is nice for like long range shooting and stuff like that. But sometimes with with hunting, if you're in like a low light situation and you're on low magnification, all those dots get very, very small. Sure. So hard to see. Yeah. Yep. So so that's something to think about. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's something to think about. In which that's also why they make illuminated reticles. Yeah. So then yes. then you can turn it on and now all of that's lit up. Now do you run into legal issues in some of those states you think? You can, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, shit, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like having a, a sight light in your bow. There's plenty of right. them out there out yeah. west that don't allow it. Yep. Man. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but that's good. And some of them, some of them, the whole reticle lights up, and some of them, it's just like the just center, the center dot. dot or the center dot. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so I like also like a lower magnification on the low end. So, like, instead of yeah. having like a six to 24, mm -hmm. have like a, you know, a three to, like, that one's a three to 15. Yeah. Or like, like a three to 18. Yeah, or, a four to 16. A four to 16 that I, that's what I used on my sub mag for years. And yeah. then, I mean, that was, that, that was good. Yeah. That way, if something like, does pop up close to you, sure. you're not hunting for it, trying to find it in your, in your scope because it's so close that you can't. Yeah. You can't find it. Um, and that happens, too. I, I could have oh, both killed, like, three different antelope when we were there. I could have I could have had very close. I had one at 30, one at seven or eight yards, um, and then another one at, like, 25. So I, I remember when we was talking about that a few weeks ago. That, that's one of the things that I brought up that I've learned, I think, over the years that I, that I do. My binoculars are 10 power. I carry my scope on 10 power as well. Unless I'm in, you know, thick timber and stuff like sure. that, mm -hmm. I'll crank it way down. I'll, I'll crank it all the way down. So that you can basically... If I know I'm glassing... Target... At the same magnification. Mm -hmm. So I know that if I'm looking and if I see the deer, I know that it's that exact same size whenever I pull my scope. God, that's genius. You know, so... And then if I want to dial in or back, then I can. But I'm looking at the same magnification. I like that. Yeah, so I, I had a few a few scopes written down here, uh, and I I went with I was looking for more lightweight options. So there are definitely okay. great scopes that are would be great for hunting, but they are definitely head on the heavy. Yeah. Do you feel like a heavier scope is going to hold zero better, or do you feel it goes no. better? Okay. No. Um. I the way I look the way I look at it too. You're going with a lightweight setup. Yeah. So you don't want to put a two and a half pound scope on the damn machine. Well, because it's going to be top yeah. heavy too. Yeah, yeah. So if you got that scope up on top and you're trying to, you know, level yourself on a an uneven surface, you know that scope, and especially with rec once you recoil, you know that gun could start to fall this way or that way or whatever. So you want everything to to if you're going to go lightweight, you might as well just go lightweight. Go lightweight yeah. and stay that way. Yep, exactly. And there's and that there's. There's a handful. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a handful of scopes out there that are smaller, shorter, uh, compact, but have a medium magnification. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that would be a really good option. Well, so I've got um, 
I've got the Vortex Razor HD LHT, okay. which is a first focal plane. So like what we were talking about, where when you we want a second when you zoom plane. it in, that reticle gets bigger and smaller. Yeah. Uh, it is a four and a half to twenty two. Okay. So if you wanted to take it to the range and shoot, you know, a thousand yards or whatever, you've got twenty two power. You can you can do that. But then you've also got a four and a half power, which is is pretty low on the low end, and that's that's a twenty one and a half ounce uh, scope. Okay. So that that board that um, loophole VX five there is like nineteen something, I think. That three to fifteen is nineteen. So that that's kind of where I wanted to be with that okay. scope because that's on the lighter end too. So, um, and then I've got a Zeiss Conquest V4, which is a 4 to 16 with an illuminated reticle. Okay. It's got a 30 millimeter uh, main tube. So that one's a 30 millimeter tube also. Okay. So what that does, so you've got, you've got a few options. You've got one inch, you've got 30 millimeter, and now there's 34 millimeter. There's some that are 35 so basically, it's that main tube right in the middle yeah. where your turrets and all that stuff are. Okay. And so what I would does, assume the bigger the tube, the more light coming through. The more then, No, not necessarily. Well, but but it, you're gonna basically all it's gonna help you out with is elevation adjustment. So your reticle is gonna be able to move uh, more. But it's it's inside. it's going to give you better. It's going to be give you better clarity as well too because inside that okay. inside that tube is where all of your all of your magnification glass okay. and reflection is that's it's going to be bigger. Okay. You know, so you're going to get bigger glass inside. That's why a lot of people, whenever the, if if they don't know any better and they're tightening down their scope rings uh, and they over tighten them, you'll you'll fuck up the uh, the scope. Okay. Be, yeah, because things you'll you'll bend that you'll bend that tube and things won't work correctly. Okay. So, so like I said, that, that Zeiss Conquest is a 4, a 4 to 16 by 50 millimeter. So the objective lens on that scope is a 44 millimeter, which is the front lens. This one, the one I'm talking about is a 50 millimeter. So it, the objective lens will let a little more light in. Okay. So that'll help you with lower light situations and stuff like that. Um, that one's a 30 millimeter tube. It's 23 ounces. So pretty pretty close to that. Um, and I've got the Swarovski. Uh, it's the V5, I think, or Z5. Swarovski Z5. They've got a 3.5 to 18, which I think is a damn near perfect range. Yeah. And then they've got a 5 to 25. Uh, I think the 5 to 25 is a is 17 and a half ounces. Wow. So it's super light, but it's a 1-inch tube. Okay. So it's a little bit smaller tube. Than that, I know that's the so the five to twenty five by fifty two millimeter is what my buddy has on that okay. one ten ultralight. He maxed out at like seven hundred and fifty yards on his elevation. So when we took it out to Thunder Valley Precision, seven fifty is where his scope ran out of elevation. Meaning his turret. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he couldn't dial it for any further. Okay. So that's yeah. something to think about when you when you go so into the into bigger tubes, the tubes, the more elevation you can get. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And even some scopes. Jesus, man, I had no like, I've learned like ten things today, and we've <laughs> already we've had this conversation a couple times about different things. But well, even I mean, even some scopes, 
even though they're the same 30 millimeter tube, like some will have more elevation adjustment than yeah. others too. Yeah. So that, you know, yeah. it's something to think about Jeez. too. Um, but that one's super light and I've looked through that scope and it is super duper clear. Which one um, was that one, Jeff? The Swarovski the, Z, Z5. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so then I have the Leupold VX5, which is that one. But the one I looked at was the Fire Dot Reticle. So it's basically that same scope, but it's got a little button on the side and it'll just pull up a little tiny red dot in the middle of the turret, in the middle of the reticle. Okay. So again, if you're in low light and sure. like the animal's in some thick stuff and you can't see those crosshairs. Okay. You could flip that on. It'll pop up just a little tiny red dot and you'll know exactly where, you know, the center of your crosshairs are. Okay. It's a 30 millimeter tube. Uh... And it's 22 ounces. And then I've got the VX6, the Leupold VX6. So, like, the way they run their numbers, like, the VX5 is a five times magnification. So, the low end is five or three, and then times five is 15. So, the that's the high end. So, okay. the VX5 is a 5X magnification. You know okay. what I'm saying? So, you have a three to 15. Well, the VX6 is a three to 18. Okay. Because it's three times six is sure. 18, right? With that same fire dot reticle, and that's 20.7 ounces. So that's still a really light Decent scope. light. And you get a three to 18 instead of just a three to 15. It's a little more expensive, but, you know, still got that same fire dot reticle. So do you guys feel like 18 versus 15 important or no? Probably not. No, probably not. I'm talking for hunting, not not yeah, range. No, 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 probably not. Probably not. Okay. <clears throat> uh, and the last one I've got, it's a little bit heavier scope. It's 29 ounces, but it's a Night Force NX8. And it's a two and a half to 20, which I think would be just a, a great range to have. That way, if, you know, you're trying to shoot at the range, you've got 20X, but on the low end, you're two and a half. That's low. I've never had a... I don't know that you'd ever need a two and and well and night force they're they're a very reputable company yeah. they're like bulletproof scopes like these are top tier really yeah they're okay. military the contract you? you want you want to know the price on that one really. it's it's not i mean i say it's not terrible but it's, it's heavier it's a 29 ounce scope so i mean it's about a half pound heavier than most of the ones i've been telling you okay it's 1900 bucks okay for that scope. that's not I mean, it's not don't get me wrong. It's not a shitload of money. Yeah. But so Jacob Emery actually said it best the other day. We were having a conversation. You take a ten thousand dollar rifle and put a two hundred dollar scope on yeah. it. Yeah. You've got a two hundred dollar rifle. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. So <clears throat> I'm gonna get a nice scope, but yeah. I, I was thinking, I was like, please don't say five grand or something oh, no, crazy. No, no, no. Oh my God, no. No. I, I haven't brought up Schmidt and Bender or anything. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Schmidt and Bender, is that a law firm? That's a, no. That's a. Schmidt and or Bender. Callet or Collis or however they say it. Yeah. Those are like $3,000 scopes, $3,500 scopes. That's still not like I was, like I'm thinking, I'm waiting for you all to start. I mean, you brought up like a $13,000 rifle. Somebody's got to have a $13,000 scope. I yeah, mean, they're, they're right. Not Swarovski when he said, what was the Swarovski? Yeah, uh, like fifteen hundred. Yeah, wow. Yeah, see, I was thinking 
those would be way more than that. So yeah, they can be. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> some of their lines. Yeah. No, I mean you gave you told me that budget and everything. Like no matter what combination you put on of the stuff I've got, you're still under that budget. Okay. So, well, almost. Yeah, I mean roughly. around there. But. All right, so slings. Doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of options. It's basically the same concept for the most part. I've used a quake claw. Mm -hmm. I liked it and didn't. Yeah. I mean, there, I'm, I like that it kind of clings to you. Yeah. But a lot of times I found it was clinging to places that I didn't like. It was hanging on the outer part of my shoulder and staying there rather than in close. I like my rifle tight. But... I also think more than likely, uh, rather than having that regular sling, it would be cool to have like the thing that attaches to your pack um, that carries it like on the front of you or whatever mm -hmm. on your on your shoulder strap, something like that maybe. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't have enough, uh, you know, experience with slings to really have an, yeah. an opinion on it. I've seen what I've seen that was pretty cool is just a little like plug or whatever that you put on your strap of your backpack so that basically you throw it over your shoulder and that sling just sits right oh on your gosh that's genius so it doesn't slide off it just like it's almost like those little pop things that people put on the back of their phones okay kind of like that and it just you put it on your backpack strap and it i've actually thought because a lot of the times you have the well what the molly yeah loops oh yeah Run something right through it. Get a hook 3D printed. That hook, that that hooks oh, that hooks scary. this way and then hooks this way. So then whenever you put your shoulder strap on there, yeah. it, it doesn't go. It's juicy. Yeah, I've only ever used like you know thirty dollar freaking cheap slings. Like I've never. The only reason why <laughs> the only reason why I say that is because on my uh, on my pack, it actually has a, a hook on it for something else. And I, I found that that's yeah that's yeah. Is it like a water bottle strap yeah or like for the water bottle yeah. tube or whatever yeah exactly oh yeah 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 and okay it'll, yeah it'll it'll can I can get my Slip. shoulder strap in that but I'm, I'm the same way there's a I can't remember the name of the company you've probably seen them before too to where it's like a three point yeah uh, yeah harness where it kind of goes over yes across. yes and then mm. but then it you can like hit a little button or whatever too and it's like. It, when it, yeah, whenever it pulls up, you know, it it extends out so it doesn't bind you. Okay. I, I've never personally used one, but always I thought that that was a pretty slick system. I'm like, you know, with how it holds, with how it holds your gun. I'm I'm the same way though. I use a freaking stretch neoprene. Yeah. Bass Pro, but I like it because it it's the neoprene it grabs. Yeah. It, it grabs, but. It's also shock absorbing, you know. I mean, it's it's real stretchy, so it kind of you know mm. kind of bounces on your shoulder. So you you spoke my my ADD is taking over here for a second. That's going to jump a little off topic, but you spoke about the little water bottle tube holder, mm. the bladder tube holder. Do you guys prefer a Nalgene bottle out west or a bladder? I use both. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I've I used I used a bladder for probably about the first 10 years, and then I switched over. I switched Watch. over bottles. Leaks? I, I got tired of screwing with the bladder. Yeah. 
like maintenance you know, and all that cleaning like, yeah in and out and filling it up and you know and i'm like you know what? i'm just gonna throw a damn bottle in my freaking pack and be no side pouch well, yeah. so so i use that sawyer squeeze yes filter yeah and you can go directly you can here. get a kit where so i basically cut has got that. that bladder tube and then you can you put in this you know, little attachment, and then you can put the other end of the attachment on the rest of your tube and clip it together. But then when you want to fill that, you basically unclip that apart, and then you can put your bladder or your filter right to the inlet or the tube going into your bladder and just squeeze fresh water, you know, filtered water oh, back into right your in bladder. Tube. So you never have to take it out of your pack. You can just squeeze it right back into, into the bladder, and then yeah, and it's super that, easy. So I would put I would put water in the bladder, and then I would use a Nalgene for like any type of like caffeine or electrolyte drink or yeah. something like that. The the other main reason why I got away from the bladder, and even though that it was convenient having the tube and stuff like, the tube would freeze on me all the time. Ooh. In, well, see, in, I haven't in, been I haven't been in a cold enough hunt for that to happen, so that yeah, so that makes the, sense. Yeah, so the tube the tube the tube would freeze and it'd that's freeze up, right. and I couldn't get water out of it, and so mm -hmm. I finally said, "Piss on it." You know, that's something I've never even thought about before. And and talking to you about your over the counter rifle hunt last year, yeah, didn't you say it was like zero degrees at some point or something? Yeah, stupid. We got two feet of snow in twenty four hours. Mm. So that's, that's, shit. What, that's what took us off the mountain. So That's insane. Yeah. So basically, you could actually end up with no water if you don't have a fire to thaw your shit out. Yeah. That could get dangerous. Yep. See, that's the things you never, you never think about that. And I had so many people, I remember people warning me about the wind, how tough it was. I'm like, ah, you're just a pussy. And then I get out there and I'm like, jeezel. Mm -hmm. This is stupid. Yeah. I remember one day I couldn't keep my hat on my head. Uh, it was like 60 miles an hour all day out in Wyoming. And then it got worse as the night continued. Normally it cools down at night. No. The wind bumped up like 10 miles an hour or something yeah. crazy. It, well, and the other thing too with the with the cold temps and stuff, because that's, that's what we were doing... A lot of the times you'll put the you'll put the water bottles like inside your sleeping bag with you so they so they won't freeze overnight. Mm -hmm. So you'll yeah so you'll put them inside and if you're trying to do that with a bladder, no thanks. Yeah, yeah it gets it, it got to be a pain in the ass. And what would happen is is I'd even keep it like underneath my you know like my cot or something you know at the base camp. It it'd still freeze. You know that tube would freeze. And then I was constantly having to worry about okay. And I'm holding the tube and trying to trying to get it to thaw out. So I <laughs> finally I said, piss on this. I'm just throw a bottle in my stomach. That's a really good so later season, no bladders. Yeah, stuff. throw throw okay. a bottle in my sleeping bag and the, the water's gonna be warm. I throw up my pack and it stays stays thawed out. Man. Well that was one thing I, I had learned from uh listening to Kafaru cast with Aaron Snyder is before you go like if you're super cold at night, yep. Take a take your Nalgene bottle. Boil some water, pour it right in that Nalgene bottle, put close it up, and stick it in the bottom of your in the bottom of your sleeping bag when you're sleeping. Really? And it'll, that water will keep you warm. I would, dude. I put that thing like between my legs. Yeah. To keep my freaking. I don't, I don't know if you. I don't know if you guys 
have ever done that or do that, whenever whenever I always go out west, I always carry. I, I buy bulk and hot hands. Hot hands. <laughs> mm. Put one of those in your sleeping bag. I've never done that. Crack, well, crack it open and put it down there by your feet, and oh, dude, it's. I remember. Uh, I want to say this was like 2018 when Will uh, Cates got into deer hunting. Um, I think the high that day was three or four degrees. Three or four degrees. And, or I'm sorry, the the low that morning it was it was getting down to three or four degrees. And um, but still, I mean, it was just it was staying like single digits or something all day. And I had specific, he brought his freaking North Face uninsulated hiking boots. And I always give everybody the benefit of the doubt that they know way more than me and they've done more than me. About their own body. Yeah. Yeah, well, that too. And I was like, are you sure you're going to be okay in those? He's like, yeah, I wore them in Slovenia mountain climbing. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy, but you were moving around a lot. He was. You were doing like really strenuous exercise. And we're going to be trying to sit still and not move at all tomorrow. Oh, I'll be fine. I'm just fine. Okay. And I just couldn't help. I couldn't let it go. So just in case, I put a sleeping bag in my pack and brought it with us. We were in a blind too. I don't think it was 20 minutes before he asked for the sleeping bag. We were there for 20 minutes. He's like, dude, my feet are cold. I'm like, no shit. It's four degrees. I don't think you understand how cold that really is. And being a hunter, you hunt in all types of weather, you know. Yeah. And, and if you're autistic like me, you really know. And I'm like, dude, for, uh, not that it takes a freaking highly intelligent person, or at least I thought, four degrees is fucking cold, man. Yeah. Like, you're, you're talking about your body pulling blood out of the extremities to keep the core temp up. And, you know, you don't have anything insulating. There's nothing helping you out there. Yeah. So there, we, we didn't last long. I, I, I do this book. I wear, well, you guys know, I mean, I, I wear the scarfers, and uh, they're they're uninsulated, but same deal. You know, I mean, out west, I know i got to stay moving because yeah. if I stop, my feet are going to get cold fast. But if they're perfect for moving, you know, sure. because the, I don't sweat, I don't have to worry about my feet right. getting sweaty, you know, and... Uh, you know, and well, you, you guys know I wear the gaiters and stuff as well right. too. You know, I mean, so that that helps helps a little bit keep the moisture you know off. But uh, I bought a set of the Arctic Shield. Yep. Uh, boot, you know, slippers, slip-ons. Keep those in your pack, and worst case scenario, yeah, if you're sitting there glass, and even just slipping those on over your boots, oh yeah, it makes a world of a difference. But yeah. you can always put a hot hand in each one of them as well too. I still haven't tried that. Is that pretty nice? Oh yeah, it's yeah, it, it's sweet. I've, I think I've wore the Arctic Shields a couple of times, but honestly, I just, I kill so much earlier now that I'm not out in 
you know, change. But, man, I also feel like I do so well with keeping my core temp up. Um, and again, like, even when you get to the late season, I'm not sitting out there for eight hours. I'm getting up in a tree with two hours to go or something, you know, two and a half, three hours tops. They're coming in the last hour of light more often than not, especially any kind of pressured animals. Um, so I'm not trying to be out sitting all day or anything like that. So, well, I think we pretty much covered, you know, all the basics of picking out the rifle now. I just need to go hold some and then... I guess we want to try to come up with some sort of a load, probably, or what What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely could. Uh, you know, I mean, I got the reloading dies, you know, I'll have everything. Uh, I didn't buy any brass because I kind of figured, especially for right. for a break-in and stuff like that, we'll, we'll use factory ammo. Yeah, then we can and, reuse the brass. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be able to use that brass. Okay. Uh, if we want to work up a load, I mean, if not, I mean, if if you get one of these guns and with you know the factory ammo and your clover leaf, and if it ain't broke, don't fuck with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just, I mean, there's no reason for me to load something to try to match what you're already getting. Right. You know, so I'll just erase quantity and put savvies. On. I'm just kidding. Get a big sharpie. <laughs> Stamp. All right, well, I guess that kind of wraps up this podcast. I hope this helps some people. Um, I, I feel like more than just a noob when it comes to this gun thing, do the archery thing, never had a use for a high-powered rifle, but now getting invited on some of these hunts in the south and the north where you can hunt with these things and then going out west um, for elk, mule deer, whitetail, etc., um, you know, the pronghorn, I feel like it's just time to buy one and, you know, break it in and sight it in and get everything dialed that way. Uh, I can have the same confidence in a rifle as I do a bow, because honestly, I don't really, I haven't had a gun yet that I've been that kind of confident in where I could dial it. And of course, I can't shoot my bow, you know, 200 yards or anything like that, but I feel very confident with it because I, you know, can play around with it. And, um, you know, one day when I get my bow pressing on it, I'll be able to do my own work again. And, uh, you know, I haven't been able to really mess with that with a gun yet. So it'll be pretty exciting. But anything you guys want to add before we close out? I don't think so. No, right. I, I just, I think the cool thing about it is, is there's no wrong choice, no wrong answer. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever you decide upon. Yeah. You, gun. I mean, that, that gun that you loaned me for the South hunt, that's, that's kind of your like big, um, so what is it? A thousand yard gun. Yeah. The, the whole goal is a thousand yard capable gun for under a thousand dollars. And that's the setup. That's with a scope and everything. So, yeah. um, that's kind of cool, and that's a Mauser M18. Mm-hmm. Mauser M18. And then your scope is what? Uh, element, element oh. optics. There you go. So, and that's a six by twenty-four. Yeah, six six and a half by twenty-four. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
I feel like, you know, obviously I'm going to have to spend some money. Um, but it's, you know, again, it's a forever rifle. It's something that's going to be around for hopefully hundreds of years. Um, but at least my lifetime, my son's lifetime. And uh, hopefully we'll take some really nice animals with it, have some fun. And, you know, there's kind of a touch with it now with you guys helping out. You doing the reloading. We'll probably share range time together with that. Oh, yeah. Hopefully... I just need to kill your other friends so that you can only go out west with us. <laughs> just kidding. Um, well, we'll go ahead. When that barrel comes in and when you get your your gun all set up, we'll go out to like Thunder Valley or something. Yeah, year. yeah, that'd be that'd be good, Tom. I can yeah. take that next five. They've got targets from steel targets from two out to like a mile, I think. Jeez. But I mean, how do you well? With with their longer range stuff, how do you get there? Do you take like your truck? No, it's a it's just a steel target. You just look. You're not going out there placing a target on it. So you've got a spotter, and then yeah. they're telling you. you know. Well, you're telling yourself. You go there and just pay the thirty bucks, and that it's just you. Like if there's nobody else there, there's no like range safety officer. There's no oh nothing. You sign the oh. waiver. You pay your gotcha. money, and then you just shoot. So like some jack. So you're not ever going down to like the targets. You're never going to look at the targets. Okay. Like you're just shooting from your position. Okay. All right. Well. But yeah, we shot. Me and my buddy Drew went out there. We he was we were shooting targets at a thousand. I think there's only certain days that you can shoot out to a mile. I don't know what. Okay. What the issue is, but like still. So with the breaking in of the gun, how many rounds roughly? And the, is there a process other than just shooting it? Do you have to lube it or do, like, what do you do? Shoot clean, shoot clean, you know, for some many many shoot rounds. So, yeah, there's different processes. Yeah. Like, I know Bergara has, well, Carbon 6 and Bergara, they both have, like, their own method. method Can you give me, like, any kind of idea? Yeah, what that might be? What, shoot a couple, clean it, shoot yeah. two, clean it, shoot three, clean I mean, it. Oh yeah, you know for for like the first uh, literally um, a lot of them that I've seen is like first sixty to sixty to seventy rounds. So basically, okay. what you're trying to do is just clean up like the tooling marks from when they're like, okay. cutting the barrel. So you're honing the barrel when they're putting oh, the right. rifling in the barrel. Okay, you know, there's yeah. like you know burrs and stuff like that. So you're basically just trying to get that stuff to lay down, and then there's going to be imperfections in the the actual barrel itself so like as the copper is going through the barrel you're depositing copper into like some of those imperfections oh wow okay so like it, it's you're just kind of it's juicy stuff trying to true everything up with yep. a few you know however many shots it's going to take and some guns you can shoot freaking you know clover leaves at 100 yards like right out of the gate you know some that they don't take a whole lot of break in. break in yeah so does do the gunworks people up. break your stuff in for you too? I don't know if they do or not. I'm not sure. I don't okay. know. I'm not sure. But you know, and and you're definitely your your gun will speed up too. Yeah. Like after shooting, like you shoot. I saw I saw that with that six five as I was. As I, was I remember you it, talking about it, that. My velocity kept on increasing. Jeez, oh. And you have the stuff for us to. Uh, Get the speed of our bullet. Now. Yeah, right. I got chronograph. Chronograph. Right. Well, and that'll help you get your turret set up however you want to do it. Like 
you know, you got to have an exact number is a lot better than just going off the box, you know. Sure. A lot of those numbers off the box, like the, the seven PRCs, 3,000 feet a second, but that's out of a 24-inch barrel. Right. So if you got a 22-inch barrel, you know, you're going to lose roughly like difference in 25 to 30 feet a second right. per inch. Okay. So, jeez, you know. That's so a that, lot. When I put that 20-inch barrel on that one, like, I'll probably lose like 100 feet a second. It's a lot to learn and retain. But, you know, I'd be happy shooting this bullet at, you know, 2850. I'd, yeah, I'd be stoked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, gentlemen, I thank you. And, uh, man, I'm like, uh, I've been excited about a few of the guns we start, played with. Start pinching them pennies. Bill, yeah, I'm going to have to probably sell some drugs or myself. <laughs> Do some feet picks or calf picks or something. Just do drugs, cause yeah. just yeah. sell the drugs. Just sell the drugs. Yeah. Stick with the fetishes. They are not gonna. They ain't, sell. They ain't interested in the fetishes. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, guys. Hopefully this helps somebody. Um. You know. We hopefully. went off on a lot of rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah we, we, we rabbit holed a good bit, but that's what's fun, man. I learned a lot. Hopefully, this you know teaches somebody something. Maybe somebody's out there wondering themselves i know if if i'm thinking about it i'm sure plenty others are um, so with that being said this has been fueled by the outdoors i've been your host christopher leppert tonight we were joined by jeff dennis and aaron satterfield with Saddie's gunworks and ammo guys thanks for tuning in have a great night see you see you yeah.